Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We need to thank the following amazing people for going to our Patreon account and supporting this show. So a huge thank you to John Helter, Jack Connolly, Derek Haynes, Alex Kazanis, Jarmaine Myrick, Carson Clark, Allison Keene, Dr. Jason Woods, the wonderful Melanie Harker, the incomparable Sean Paul Ellis. Oh, and the phenomenal David Trumbor. Uh, thank you so much. Now, you guys might wonder why we are thanking ourselves and some familiar names of the podcast. It's because we want you to know that we not only appreciate your uh, donations to the podcast here, but we are actually putting in our hard-earned dollars as well. So to give you guys an idea of what you can actually get for some of these monthly contributions through Patreon, if you can't contribute any money whatsoever, we would love it if you guys would just visit patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons, remember that's morning with a U, and just share that link out among your social media uh, pages. That would help us out a lot and just get the word out there. If you do want to kick in a couple of bucks, you get some cool stuff back in return. So you may not know that we send out a monthly newsletter that not only tells people about upcoming news that we have going on, and we've definitely got some cool stuff coming in the next couple of months here for you. But we'll also announce the upcoming list of shows that we're going to be covering. So if there's a cartoon out there that you actually like, you're going to get to hear about it in the monthly newsletter. Other than that, you also get special uh, thank yous in the newsletter. You get a special shout out like this one right here in each and every episode. You can get early access to weekly episodes, and you can also get access to our special behind-the-scenes rambling between Sean and myself. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's some gems in there, so you're going to want to check that out. Again, head on over to patreon.com slash Cartoons to do so, and thank you so much to everyone who is a current patron. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you so much for listening, and now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that wrenches, regurgitates, and repulses some of the world's weirdest animated <laughs> series. Coming to you from Peaceful Pines, I'll be your bio-exorcist, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, the author of the handbook for the recently deceased, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, bud? Ah, uh, David, 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 how you doing, buddy? You know what I mean? Ooh, boy, I'm, I'm good. What's up with your voice this week? Oh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry, just clearing out some cobwebs, buddy. I'm, 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 I'm doing well, then. How are you? your throat? It's, 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 uh, it's October, we're getting closer to Halloween, uh, I thought it would be decorative and festive to decorate Look, no. and kind of dress up my we, throat a little bit. We talked about this, and you did it anyway, and I think you should probably go see a doctor, probably like sooner than later. I mean, just for the throat stuff, or for the fact that I don't understand how to decorate for Halloween I mean, I don't know if a doctor's going to help Both. you with the second part. Oh, hey, it's a doctor! <laughs> oh, hey, it's a doctor! <laughs> hey, I'm here, guys. Hey, babes. Perfect. Hey, babes. <laughs> hey, we are welcoming back... Uh, Jason Woods to the show. Uh, we are so excited to have you back, Jason. Welcome, welcome, friend. Thanks for having me back. I've been waiting, waiting for my re-invitation. <laughs> we want to wait till Spooky, Spooky Tunes Month to get you back in here. Oh, Spooky Tunes. Spooky Tunes. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that, uh, now that I have a doctor that's here, yeah. and you kind of heard some of the, the throaty coughing that I had, Jason, you can kind of give me a clear bill of health, right, babes? Uh, yeah, my, my recommendation for you is you need a lot of puns, a lot of visual jokes. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to need to tell a lot of puns. Laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> Guys, if you're, not, if you're not aware, we are, of course, talking about Beetlejuice. Not the live-action Beetlejuice, but the cartoon version of Beetlejuice. Not the week. star in the armpit of whatever constellation it is. Yeah, also not that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
we did have entomology hour what last week or two weeks ago so astronomy <laughs> yeah. hour would be fun but no not this week we're learning a lot yeah every week bit by bit but if you'd like to learn a little bit more about beetlejuice beetlejuice is a canadian animated television series get the fuck out of here i know canadian <laughs> it's canadian guys every so time. Uh, we can't escape last month the series ran from 1989 to 1991 on abc and then on fox in 1991 only it was developed and executive produced by the live action films director tim burton danny elfman's theme for the film was arranged for the cartoon by elfman himself so you know if you were if you loved the movie and you loved the music from the movie and how could you not love the, uh, the music from the movie it has made its way and it is incorporated in a wonderful fashion into the cartoon that we watched tonight so, Dave, what's up? Can I ask you guys, have, did you watch, okay, first did you watch the live action film when you were a kid or since then? And then after that, did you watch the series growing up? Woodsy? I, I did. So I, I think I love this movie a lot because I dislike most horror movies. Like I did as a kid, I still don't enjoy watching them. And so Halloween would roll around every year and there wasn't a lot that I enjoyed seeing. And this is one of those that just really stuck with it. So when the cartoon came out, I, I loved it. And I didn't realize how much of a fan of puns I was as a kid. But uh, I'm, I think adult <laughs> me is a little bit disappointed in childhood me. Sean, what about you? Uh, I was about to say, Jason, welcome to the revelation that we make every single week yep. here. <laughs> I'm continually disappointed with 14-year-old me. Uh, I loved Beetlejuice. In fact, I had the VHS cassette tape of Beetlejuice. And I used to continually go back and watch the one scene that Michael Keaton had in the movie, which was the only time that I'd ever heard somebody really use the F word in a movie, which is the scene where he goes, nice fucking model, and then grabs his, his junk, and he goes, honk, honk, and then <laughs> kicks over, like, or he kicks over the, the model of the tree. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, but I would just rewind and watch that one scene and crack up. Uh, Every other I, kid was rewatching porn movies on Rewind. Sean's over here <laughs> watching Michael Keaton say fuck. Just cackling like a maniac at the entire thing. I mean, look, this movie has Alec Baldwin. I mean, it's got so many wonderful actors and actresses uh, that are in that film. It, it's just a joy to watch. And I loved it mainly because of the, well, the weird claymation effects that they had in a live action, as well as also the practical effects and makeup that they had, which... Is something that I, I love in sort of the, those 80s and 90s movies that we, we had when we were growing up as kids. So I was a huge fan of this. And as a result, I ended up watching a lot of this cartoon. Yeah, for me, I mean, coming back to visit it now as an adult, I really appreciate the story that they have as well, because it's super original. It's, a, it's an original take on sort of death, the afterlife, ghosts and haunted houses, sort of they've got this whole mythology built up with, uh, with Beetlejuice as a bioexorcist, with the fact that he like lives in their uh, like model model town in their attic uh but he's also from this world where there's like creatures and just like corpses walking around and they've all got this kind of hierarchy this kind of red tape bureaucracy that they have to go through after you die <laughs> they've got a handbook to guide you through it they've got sandworms i mean there's just like so much crazy stuff in there it's just a super fun visual movie to watch uh, it's crass at times. There's a lot of like weird sexual tension stuff that's going on, which is why when they made this into a cartoon, really odd choice. <laughs> so <laughs> they had to change some things along the way. Um, but that's just to give you guys out there, if you haven't seen Beetlejuice and didn't know it was turned into a cartoon, just to give you kind of a little bit of a background um, on that. So essentially it follows a, a, 
they were newlyweds, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were newlyweds. They died. They didn't know that they died. And they found that life had kind of moved on without them. But since they died, they had to use this handbook to kind of navigate the afterlife and sort of figure things out from there. And that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. The star of the movie and of the series is a guy named Beetlejuice. He's sort of this shyster. He's kind of a snake oil salesman. But he's also kind of like half poltergeist, half ghost kind of thing. And in the movie, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's really a huckster, but he's also kind of like dangerous and kind of nasty. Yeah. So and sometimes the hero. And so sometimes I, I kind of hero. appreciate that yeah. he goes back and forth between wanting him to, yeah. uh, to do well and then him getting defeated. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to watch that because he is always playing people. And of course, Keaton does a fantastic job with it. But that's to just set you up for uh, this cartoon, which we'll talk about, so you can appreciate some of the changes. So here's what the cartoon uh, is all about. So loosely based on the film that we've been talking about, this series focuses on the life of goth girl Lydia Dietz and her undead friend Beetlejuice as they explore the Neither World, a wacky monster realm inhabited by monsters, ghosts, ghouls, and zombies, as well as the real world, a fictional New England town called Peaceful Pines. This was changed from the town of Winter River in the film. Uh, in this series, Lydia could summon Beetlejuice out of the netherworld, or go there herself, by calling his name three times, which is what happens in the movie, or she could say this kind of rhyming scheme, and it goes, Though I know I should be wary, still I venture someplace scary, ghostly hauntings I turn loose, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And if you just popped up in your car or wherever you're listening to this podcast, I apologize. (laughs) Uh, Occasionally, there are some other effects from the chant as well, such as Lydia's room basically like changing into an entire gothic castle. So they really had a lot of fun with that mythology, and they changed a lot of stuff up uh, here and there. Uh, Let me ask you guys one question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. Coming up with the mythology for this, I don't know where the name Beetlejuice came from. So if you were going to be a bio-exorcist, what would your insect plus beverage name be as your own otherworldly bio-exorcist? Roach Pop. Roach Pop is a good one. <laughs> Roach Pop. I picture you like Such a, a weird like, voodoo pimp for some reason. <laughs> Roach Pop. <laughs> Roach Pop. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind for me was Mantis Whiskey, which sounds real dirty. Oh, wow, man. That's way better than that's my spider awesome. milk. Spider milk's not good. That's just the Spider first thing milk? that came to my mind. I'm like, this is terrible. The guys are going to have something better. And I'm glad oh my God. you proved me right. <laughs> Man, call you Spider whiskey. Milk the rest of the episode. Holy shit. That's <laughs> aggressive. I like it. That's uh, a very aggressive SM. That's aggressive. Yeah, SM. Which is how I'm shortening Spider Milk. Is just I'll just pretend it's Spider Man and, and we're good. Do I need to go ahead and trademark Mantis Whiskey? You probably oh, like should actually steal like right that. now like, while we're talking because that's really good. Yeah. I- go grab the site on GoDaddy. You should. <laughs> I would start a distillery immediately like, as we're with talking. that name. Yes. <laughs> so something that was a little bit confusing to me, and I'm wondering if you guys can, with your cartoon knowledge, weigh in on this. When you look at the dates that it aired on the networks, it looks like it was airing new episodes simultaneously on two different networks. And that's confusing. Yeah. So this was kind of crazy. It was one of the things where it was, it was airing both new episodes on, I believe, ABC as part of their Saturday morning lineup. But at the same time, it was running uh, the syndication on Fox. And I think that's why it showed up on Fox in only 1991, because they were essentially running it uh, Monday through Friday, and then it would also air on Saturdays as a new episode. So it was one of the first ones, or one of the earliest ones, of sort of the the modern cartoon blocks that we know of, 
to run both new and syndicated episodes on two different networks at the same time. So kind of cool. It was basically like every day of the week you could watch Beetlejuice, which is why a lot of people remember this show. But yeah, good question. Another interesting thing from from like animation um, background, this was produced not only by Tim Burton, but by a fellow named David Geffen. And Geffen, I believe, produced a live action movie as well. But Geffen, if you know the um, movie production company DreamWorks SKG, most people usually just call it DreamWorks, but SKG, the G stands for Geffen. The other two names are Spielberg <clears throat> and Jeffrey Katzenberg. So a little bit of trivia there for you as well. So Geffen, part of DreamWorks. And part of Beetlejuice. My trivia, my trivia is so astonishing that it stuns no, I, people into silence. No, I feel like the thing that I'm waiting to get into is to talk about this theme song. Get into it, bud. You can't, you can't have the movie Beetlejuice without Danny Elfman's score right. and soundtrack that he created and Harry fucking Belafonte with songs that are on here. Oh my God. Like it, it's, it's memorable. And you know, and I love the fact if you're wondering what Harry Belafonte song, it's a banana boat song banana uh, boat. Uh, slash Deo uh, is what they have that's on there. And so uh, the, the music is so memorable from the movie and I'm so glad that they incorporated so much of it into the actual show itself. I think that for me, that was a big selling point right out of the gate uh, for the appeal of it. And so I wanted to ask Jason, what did you feel about this theme song? So I love this theme song, and I don't know if anybody else heard this in there, but it actually sounds a lot like the Simpsons theme song to me. Yeah, It's got some of the saving, mm-hmm. same driving beat and some of the same, uh, the same melodies to it. And so I, I think part of my nostalgia for it is that it reminds me a lot of another show that I like. I 100% agree with you. It felt, it felt very reminiscent of the Simpsons. It felt really familiar. Uh, within its own kind of cartoon vein, as well as also in the vein of the movie as well. So, Dave, any thoughts for you? Yeah, I mean, just to go along with that, obviously the music is a big, a big part of this, possibly the biggest part of it, but the visual is something completely insane, too. It's sort of this, like, endless tunnel into the depths of your television. You're just, like, continually going into the TV and finding, like, a new thing on the other side so you go into like a cannon you go in through like multiple doors you go down through like a sandworm it's just it's a really trippy experience to watch this thing especially with all the kind of chaotic music going on and the sort of echoey voices of Lydia and Beetlejuice coming in from left and right it's a it's kind of a surreal experience to watch this thing so even if you're not going to watch go back and watch the whole uh, episode or the whole series itself go back and just watch the theme song intro it's pretty trippy I really like that they have a mix of kind of animation styles as well. So they've got like traditional, then they've got what looks like a sort of photorealistic sort of still image. And then they've got a little bit of CG in there as well, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. And it really represents the animation style of the rest of the show. Yep. Just kind of the visual absurdity and there's so much going on and it's so hectic. And I feel like I watched it through a couple of times and every time you pick up something that's new, and that's just in the theme song. Yeah, and there's right. so much going on there that it's like it's impossible to pick up everything the first time because it's fast, but it's also just you're continually moving into the screen. So it's weird. It almost feels like it is transporting you into their wacky cartoon world, which is pretty cool. And you kind of have to do that when you've got an Elfman score. You have to. So the thing that I feel is so crazy about moving from the movie version of what we understand Beetlejuice to be to the cartoon adaptation is that we've mentioned that sort of in the movie Beetlejuice is sort of this kind of chaotic neutral. Like he can be good. He can be bad. He really doesn't care either way. As long as he kind of gets a laugh out of it yeah. is sort of or how makes, I, I or makes money. Yeah. Or makes money yeah. or gets a <laughs> so zag nut. It, 
Oh, yeah, good reference to the movie. Nice. So they, they have all these things that he is doing in the film. And so to kind of take this and adapt this and say that now he's become friends with Winona Ryder's character, Lydia Dietz, you sort of see a little bit of that friendship. Now, if you are coming into this cold in you know, 1990 or 1989, uh, a year after the movie came out, uh, you might not know the dynamic of the relationship towards the end of the film. Um, you know, with uh, sort of, uh, if anybody remembers the end of the movie with um, Winona Ryder levitating and sort of singing the Harry, Bel- or singing the Harry Belafonte song uh, to kind of close out the movie, very fun ending to it. And it's sort of nice to see that that friendship has kind of retained and continued on. It's challenging, though, because we've mentioned that, like, there's so much energy, there's so much movement. As Dave mentioned, it's sort of going down into the depths of this neither world. There are so many characters that are brought out that you really have no frame of reference or context to be able to understand who's there. Now, they have, like, they have all of these weird cast of characters. But, Dave, what's up? Oh, well, I wanted to stop you because I want to get clarification on the end of Beetlejuice the movie. Because I have questions about what you think the relationship between Beetlejuice and Lydia is supposed to be. So what do you think, Sean, what do you think's going on? I know Woodsy's got comments. Sean, what do you think's going on with Beetlejuice, or with Lydia at the end of the movie? Well, at the end of the, at the, end of the movie, uh, she's, she's sort of moving because the, the, the people who were there, Alec Baldwin's character and Gene Davis's character, sort of understand that they're dead, and they've kind of come to the ability where they can use their undead powers to kind of have fun and enjoy stuff presumably what's happened in the year that the film has ended and the cartoon starts is that they've either been able to like pass on to the afterlife and their characters are no more and so i'm assuming that lydia deets has that connection to the afterlife and the neither world and she kind of wants to retain some of that uh that influence or that kind of fun that she has with it and that's kind of why she relies on this on uh, our good friend Beetlejuice. Okay, Woodsy, what do you got? So the way I remember the ending of this movie going is, uh, you know, the, uh, the main couple from it, Alec Baldwin, uh, Baldwin and Gina Davis, were sort of accidentally completely dying and going away, and Lydia gets Beetlejuice to save them, but only by agreeing to forcefully marry him and then get saved out of it by Gina Davis's character. So I always thought it kind of left exactly how that relationship was a little bit up in the air because she had been friendly with him but then he tries to sort of extract this marriage and I I think the reason that he wanted to is because if he was married to somebody who was alive then he could haunt anywhere that even outside of his like portal into the realm so they kind of skip over some of the potential uh you know forceful marriage uh pieces when they jump into this cartoon and they're just kind of like the outcasts that are each other's best friends. Yeah, and that's what always messed with me when I was a kid because I would watch this movie and be like, well, clearly Beetlejuice was like a weirdo and a bad guy. Why are they just like best buds now? And I, I mean, it, I guess it didn't mess me up too bad as a kid. I was just kind of like, oh, he's just like, a, he's a weird ghost creature. Everything's fine. But I was like, even watching this pilot. Arranged ghost marriage, <laughs> the, right? The statutory rape did not bother you as a child. No, not as a child. I was totally fine with it. On the wrong end of things. But, uh, yikes. Uh, but watching this pilot again today, I was kind of like, this is still a little uncomfortable for me now because it wasn't really, yeah. I mean, we'll get into the plot in a second, but he's like, I met Lydia a year ago and for our friend anniversary, I'm going to get her a present. I'm like, you basically forced her into marriage. Otherwise her like parents and her best friends were going to be tormented forever. It's kind of a weird thing. 
Are we cool now? Like, is everything cool? I guess. I want to say that when we get to this point in the plot where we can talk about this, I'll tease it out a little bit. I want to know how everybody celebrates their one-year friend anniversary with each other. That's that's been noodling around in my brain because <laughs> uh, I feel like a shitty friend because I don't think I've ever celebrated one. But we'll get we'll get to it in a minute. Do you get my uh, yearly dick pics? <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yearly. I get like yeah. daily. Uh, it's one. Of, it's one of those reason this thing that's like real zoomed in and you can't tell what it is till you zoom far out. It's exhausting, is what it is. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. You have a really pixelated penis, Jason. <laughs> Blame it on the camera. Yeah, it looks like it's a it looks like it's 8-bit Nintendo-style penis. So, congrats, I think. <laughs> congrats. He's, he's retro. Yeah. Speaking, so, speaking uh, of retro, the, what about, uh, do you have anything else? Uh, theme song you want to shift into The last thing I wanted characters? to say, yeah. sure. The last thing I wanted to say about the theme song is, uh, you know, with all these characters, it's very hard to kind of keep pace with that. We can talk about sort of some of these characters in a moment. Uh, but I've kind of slammed other theme songs uh, for not having sort of those introductory kind of bump cards before to at least give you a little bit of context if you didn't watch the movie. Because, you know, I think it was rated R and I watched it when I was eight. And then this cartoon came out when I was nine. So I really kind of have to wonder about some of the parenting that was going on in my house. That they would let me watch that. At oh, yeah. I 100 percent watch this with my parents like all the time. <laughs> like five interesting transition into the the pilot episode being about fake babysitting yeah true this here's oh, here's a mind blower because this was 1988 this was rated pg get out of here get out it was pg because it was 98 what was it like 99 when spielberg was like <clears throat> oh yeah the distinction was only PG-13. like pg or r so it was either kids or adults and there was nothing in between he was like uh i'm spielberg we're gonna do pg-13 yeah Oh my god. PG. Can you imagine Beetlejuice so, this day and age being PG? That's like Land Before Time is no. like PG now. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Littlefoot. Uh, the tree stars. God. Man. If you guys give us enough money on our Patreon, I'm, I'm going to do a movie marathon of all like 13 Land Before Times without sleeping. It's going to be great. And then at the very end of all of it, we're going to write the 14th Land Before Time yep. on Twitch for everybody and all creative input is welcome yep. via mad libs yeah 100 <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> what were you gonna say jason oh no i i made a complete aside about how sometimes when i watch land before the before time i want to kick petrie right in the face uh, it's in the script put it in the script <laughs> <laughs> so can that go in the plot point yeah. uh yeah sure 100 we are now kicking petrie I think he's aged a little bit since the first Land Before Time, but he's gonna get he is gonna get a dinosaur boot right in the face. <laughs> dinosaur boots. Now we're talking dinosaur like Ice Age. I don't know where we are anymore. All right, let's bring it back to Beetlejuice. Let's get into the animation style because there's one kind of major style, but then there's a couple little extra things kind of worked in here. So, Sean, what struck you about the animation style? Uh, I love the fact that they retained sort of the core essence of what's important about Beetlejuice. Uh, big kind of crazy wily eyes that are sort of sunken and they do a great job of sort of uh, exaggerating and highlighting the fact that they're sort of sallow kind of like gross jaundiced weird colored in the back of his head uh the iconic black and white pinstripe suit that the character is wearing and then just the the disgusting absolutely gross green jagged teeth that he has that he's constantly showing off in this cartoon it, it's it's so much fun. It, you can see this character and immediately recognize it. I love it. 
Uh, the same goes for the the Lydia Dietz yeah. character. It still retains a lot of the qualities of of the actress of Winona Ryder. Uh, I really like the fact that a lot of the the animation that we have that's in this is very angular. Uh, there's a lot of very straight lines that they have for for chins for for bodies, and then sometimes on certain characters, everything just seems to kind of flow uh, naturally. And I think that some of that plays into sort of the crazy energy that these two characters. Uh, exhibit on a Beetlejuice more than Lydia, uh, but just it allows them to kind of just be a little bit more fluid in motion, which is something that I I can appreciate. So I think I really did enjoy this actual style of animation for the for the main characters. Jason, I love the fact, and you brought this up that when they're animating them, kind of just in their normal interactions without any of the absurdity going on, uh, it's very stark. It's very angulated, and then. They frequently switch back in, into different characters or they're playing somebody different or, or Beetlejuice's body completely transitions. And then the, the animations for when they do that are a lot more fluid and a lot more coordinated. And I think it, it sort of helps you distinguish what's his, his real versus the, you know, the things that happen just because of his powers. Versing him punchline a joke. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to bring this up because this is new for the cartoon show compared to the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it must, that must have been hell on the animators. If we're talking about this, look, it's bad enough that you have to animate like <clears throat> people moving around or running or, or clothing, shifting on a body or hair moving in the wind or just facial expressions. To have to change this asshole from his like human form <laughs> into a motorcycle, <laughs> into a kayak, into a spider, into a puffball, like just constantly. Like you can't, All right. you can't reuse any of that like keyframe animation ever. It's always something new. I mean, if we're, we're getting into this, I think that it plays into my enjoyment of this cartoon. Because if this was something like we've made mention and, and oh man, I can't believe we're going back to Canada month. You know, we've made mention that if you're doing Canadian, if you're doing cartoons like this, where you're going to be really snappy and you're going to have a lot of quick punchlines, please, please be funny for some of this. And the thing that I enjoy about this the most is that they're reinforcing a lot of these, this wordplay and this puns, these puns that they're doing in the show with an almost immediate visual gag. Right. And so uh, we'll talk about this in the first episode, but it's something where Beetlejuice is coming out. He looks exhausted. He's like, man, am I tired? And he turns into a motorcycle with two bikes and he goes, oh, I'm, I'm running, running out, out of gas. gas. And like, it, it's, they double down on the wordplay and the puns with this in a way that I didn't think that I was going to enjoy. But the more they did it, the more I was 100% on board. Now, Dave is shaking his head at everything that I'm doing because I get the distinct feeling that he didn't enjoy this. I loved every moment of it. It was dumb, and I felt that what happened was every time they did the visual gag, it just it confirmed the fact that even if the joke wasn't great, it was just that quick visual representation that sort of accentuated it and solidified my enjoyment of it. This reminded Jason. me so much of Looney Tunes. Like the, the puns and the, the jokes were so ridiculous. Uh, you know, it was things that were on screen that anytime they said something that could have been a pun and they didn't do it visually, I found myself disappointed. Yeah. See, Correct. for me, it was like watching like a bad, like vaudeville act or something that just, the guy wasn't going to get the hook. Like he's just up there and he's just doing his shtick and he just is magically able to transform. Why into do you the hate fun? Ah. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't my day, but I don't, I, I do like the fact I will, I will give you this. I do like the fact that they pair the dialogue gag, the, the verbal pun with the visual gag. I think that's super yes. fun and I really enjoy it. 
The problem is, the problem is when you can see it coming and you know what's going to happen, it makes it twice as bad because it's like, I can not only, I can not only predict like the audible pun that I'm going to hear, I know what the visual is going to be. And then I'm super mad about it. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it, Dave. I've got to disagree with you on that because I think that it's something where if you can set that pattern of behavior to a point and they, and we're not kidding, there are puns and there's wordplay where they'll start with one and then they'll do like three, four, five, and they'll just go off on it into infinity. And you're just like, okay, maybe now's a good time to stop. And they never do. They set that pattern up and being able to then see what they're going to do with one and predict the second, the third, the fourth. I think that that's actually rather clever writing on their I will say there are some really clever puns in there that are well over the heads of kids that are going to be watching this. Sure. So we can talk about those in a little bit. Like we can pick what our favorite ones are. The problem is we can't talk about the plot super in depth because literally every line of this show is a pun. (laughs) I don't even care which character we're talking about. It's not like Beetlejuice is doing it. And then Lydia's like, oh, Beege, stop screwing around and like, uh, what's up, Clean man? all the blood up, please, because this place is a real mess. Oh, yeah, know what I mean? Yikes. <laughs> we, we should get into the characters. I want to make just one brief comment about the animation. There are random things in these episodes where you just get, like, an aside that is a commercial for something. And it is usually done in a different kind of style. Um, there's uh, usually, like, a spokesperson who's in a, sort of a CG style for some reason. And it's, like, super, super early... Well, late 80s, early 90s CG, so it's just kind of like, it's real weird, and it just kind of jumps out at you sometimes for no reason. And they don't use this all the time, but in later episodes, they've, they've used this uh, character. We'll talk about him in a second, but yeah, go ahead, Sean. It, it almost looked like a weird mixed media yeah. at certain points, and they, they continued with it. Uh, it reminded me distinctly of MTV's Liquid Television, yep. some of the interstitials and bumps that they had for that show. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, let's get into these characters. I want to know from you guys. What is going on with Beetlejuice and Lydia? What is this relationship? Because it's what the whole show is based around. Woodsy's making a, a very, <laughs> very obscene gesture, gesture of a finger and then a circle with another. That's ex- hand now it's and explicit. Them being inserted, being inserted into each other with force. Do you really think that they were they were lovers, Jason? Do you really think they were just casual? She hookups? is, by the way, no. she is like in sixth grade at the beginning of this. So she's like twelve. Oh, that's even creepier. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus. Yeah, I think, I mean, the setup from the movie and the cartoon show are the same, where she's kind of an outcast. She doesn't really have any friends right. in real life. And this is her escape, whether it's real or not. Um, so I, I think he, he serves sort of the friend foil. He is the, you know, chaotic, uh, neutral character that does the things that she wishes sometimes that she could do uh, and then turns her into the responsible one. It, it was interesting though, like any, any dads out there, dads, especially of girls who have to worry about like their, their daughters dating or like just random boys showing up or going out to me. Imagine if your, your daughter could just like say a phrase and a random dude who's possibly hundreds of years old could just pop into your daughter's room and had all sorts of magic tricks. And the first thing they did is like dance in the air. Ah, I feel like Mr. Dietz, if he knew what was going on, <laughs> would probably be having a conniption at this point. Sometimes I just walk around my place and I'm just like, David, David, David. And then Dave will just show up. I just up. get it's, yanked out of whatever I'm doing. It's like really inconvenient. Just pulled straight out of hammer space yeah. and right into it's my house. It's also quite painful. It's weird. Yeah. Is it painful? You've never said it that. It is. I try to, you know, not complain about it. But the weird thing is when sometimes you get like David Muir, uh, which is 
frustrating for me because it's I'm a little jealous, but it's fine. No, I'm sorry. It's okay. I sh- should I should I follow it up with your last name from now on probably, just to be yeah. very specific? Okay. Yeah. Property brothers, property brothers, property brothers. <laughs> if you're if anybody listening is unfamiliar, Dave is the third property I brother. I think they actually have, we actually have a third brother, so I'm going to say the fourth. Okay. Well, you know. What do I know? But just I mean, family. you're the you're the third in the set of twins. Speaking of too many saying. characters, who else do you like in this show? <laughs> Did we meet anybody else, really? Well, I actually like some of the characters that we didn't really get a lot of screen time with. Um, and and I, I made mention in the very beginning in the theme song that there are this cavalcade of characters that we're getting. I love the sandworms. Yep. Yeah, These they were fun from the regular movie. Fun. They're also supposed to be, like, terrifying. Yeah. 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 Uh, we also have Jacques Laline who is the French skeleton bodybuilder of course. that Beelgeus lives in a roadhouse with. <laughs> we have, uh, you see her in the, the theme song, I, but you see, you see Jacques in the episode for like a, a split second. Right. You also see Ginger, who is the tap dancing pink spider that he lives with. And again, I, I know that we made uh, reference to the Looney Tunes character. Uh, there is the monster across the street who looks like Gossamer from Looney Tunes, but he has a Texas accent for some reason. <laughs> so it's like a weird, <laughs> it's like a weird mix and amalgamate of like these bizarre characters that we've seen in other things. Again, I think the success of this cartoon is because there are so many elements that are relatable and transferable and borrowed from other media and cartoons. Yeah, and they do mix a lot of those in. A lot of these are puns, right? So Ginger the Tap Dancing Spider is based on Ginger Rogers. The Monster Across the Street, like you said, is kind of a weird mashup of Yosemite Sam and Gossamer. And Gossamer, if you don't know him by his name, he's that like giant walking mass of hair that you see yeah. always harassing like Bugs Bunny. But they also have other names like Bury Me Not, Bury Me Not. <laughs> yeah, these are more puns that we got here. Um, Beetlejuice is, has parents apparently named Bee Juice and Nat Juice. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> There's an assistant to the mayor. The mayor's name is May Not. I don't know. May or may, or may not. Just got it. May or may not. May or may yeah. not. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad <laughs> that we, we came all to realized this conclusion it. together. Yikes. Can we cut that? That was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately. No, that was a great this discovery. I'm proud of all of us. We came on a journey. He has an assistant named I Am Smallhead. Okay. And then there's also a judge named Judge Mental in Neither World. But I, I want to say the I Am Smallhead, the Harry the Headhunter character that's in the live action Beetlejuice, that always creeped me out. And the fact that yeah. then they shrunk, yeah, the shrunk Michael Keaton dude. Beetlejuice's yeah. head at the very wow. end of the movie. Whoa, what's going on? Ah! I love like, that, that was. This I might be a good that. look for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's his line. Something like that. I think so too. Close. In a much okay. better voice. Oh, man. But yeah. I think what Dave is trying to say is that there are so many characters that fulfill the whole idea of these puns and wordplay. And so the, the wordplay and puns, because I feel like we, we can't begin to talk about this without moving into the actual sure. episodes and the plot itself. Uh, the puns don't stop at the, the actual wordplay and the visual gags. It's inherent in the naming of the characters. It, it's, it's everything. It's, it's at its core. It is like the nucleus of this show is just bad wordplay and puns. Yeah, that's essentially it. Like the plots are really basic. So I'll give you the plot for the first episode that we watched, which was the first episode overall of the series. And it was called Critter Sitters. 
And essentially, you are just thrown right into it's the fact that it's been one year since Lydia and Beetlejuice have known each other. And because of that, they're going to celebrate by getting each other presents. But Beetlejuice doesn't have any money. Uh, we can talk about the fourth wall breaking and all that. Beetlejuice doesn't have any money, and Lydia just got a job, so Beetlejuice decides to get a job too. What are their jobs? They're babysitters. So Lydia is going to babysit for $2 an hour. Beetlejuice thinks he can do the same in the neither world and make some scratch to buy her something. Obviously, in neither world, things go catastrophically for Beetlejuice, and these babies end up kind of running amok throughout town and destroying everything. What eventually happens by the end is Beetlejuice kind of ends up uh, in front of a judge. He ends up on trial for essentially destroying their world and is, he's sentenced, he's, he's found guilty. And we'll leave kind of what happens at that point for our discussion. But what jumped out for you guys, whether it's spectacular puns, whether it's clever moments, what jumped out you guys for this episode, Jason? So I thought something really clever that they did, although I'm sure if you watched every episode, it would get old, is that Beetlejuice has these, these pretty spectacular powers. He can do almost anything but they are so connected to things that he says. So if he says things that could be interpreted as a, as a change to himself, it happens to him. And most of the plot devices for the things that go wrong are him accidentally saying something and then it, it causes catastrophe. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's almost like if you were like a boy who could turn into a sports car, if someone accidentally dropped like a pizza on you or you fell into a bucket of cold water, it's kind of like that. That's about how much sense it yeah, makes. Yeah, exactly. That's a deep cut throwback to 174 episodes ago, by the way. Oh, my God. It, but if you think about it, it really puts an emphasis on the power of words, which is, again, at its core, is the nucleus of this show. is just words and wordplay and puns. And so to, to see that really have actual consequences, I don't know. There's no lesson to be no. learned from this show. But if I had to exaggerate and pull one out, it could be that, you know, words have meaning, words have consequences, you know, and, and you have to deal and live with them. And so that's kind of a fun exaggeration of a lesson that does not exist. Dave. What's kind of interesting about that, too, is because this character, the lesson that does not exist, this character is kind of, <laughs> he's like Loki, though, too, right? But he's almost like he's like Loki or the Joker, where, yeah, he has these incredible powers, but he's also kind of, he's kind of messed up. So, like, if, if he could say anything or do anything just from whatever he speaks, whether he intends to or not. In the beginning of the episode, if he didn't have money, he could just be like, I've now got a sack of gold and his problems would be solved. But that's not interesting. It's not interesting. It doesn't really fit with his character. He's not doing these things to, to make ends meet. He's doing them to cause, to sow chaos or to liven things up or whatever the case may be. So it's interesting that he's, he's kind of childlike at times, which means he can be both incredibly like, beneficent and creative. He can also be a complete dick and destructive at the same time. Yeah, and the entire plot for this first episode is centered around the fact that he thinks babysitting is sitting on babies, which Literally. no wonder he thinks it's real easy and a stupid way to make money. But they even have fun with that because they, the first baby that shows up is this like slimy slug creature, which he's just straddling <laughs> for part of the episode. <laughs> the next one that shows up, I don't think they ever really explain what it was, but he almost crashes into it and says something about like, that's real sharp. I forget what it is. It's a sharp look. Isn't the kid made out of like rock or something? He just had like pointy parts on him. Yeah, no, it, just, it had like little spikes, little spikes and needles coming out yeah. of it. So he puts a, a pillow over top yeah. of the baby in order to be able to Sits sit. on that. To babysit right. that and child. And then what's the third one? Because rule of three, we got to have a third baby. Oh, man. It was do the we big ever. gigantic one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was a giant yep. baby. I just love that parents are literally just dropping these, 
children off at this creep's house. No, no references no, for this creep. God, no. First day babysitting. No training. No certificate. No contracts. No nothing. Yeah, no insurance. Nope. It is so weird that this is the second week in a row that we've talked about babysitters slash nannies on this. It is just a weird re. It's a weird reoccurring theme because inevitably these are all coming out during like a horror month or they're horror themed. Do people really think that babysitters and nannies are that horrible of people? There would be no horror films if parents weren't shitty at their job. Oh, that's a really good point. I feel a thesis Shots coming on. Shots fired, parents that are listening. The first episode I was ever. Let me back up. I was not allowed to watch this Simpsons episode, but I watched it anyway. Was the Babysitter Bandit episode. And that episode really? scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Scared the absolute hell out of me. She was terrifying. And yeah, so now that kind of sticks with me. So yeah, all babysitters and nannies are sources of evil. Or comedy, I guess. What, what, oh, what gags or puns work for you guys in this episode? I had, I think, literally one sequence that worked for me. Oh, then what'd you have, Dave? I had the one where um, Lydia was, so she, Lydia is also babysitting a normal human child by the name of Arlo, little baby, cute little thing. Looks kind of like Fantastic Max. And she's got Fantastic Max just kind of like walking, <laughs> she's got Arlo walking around. And uh, <laughs> he's playing with like blocks, but the blocks are stacked up like a little cityscape. And she's filming and she's like, attack of the 50 foot baby. And that's kind of cute. But then the fact that they cut it to <laughs> Beetlejuice freaking out because the giant baby, who is a 50 foot baby, has gotten loose and is now like destroying the town. He says the same thing. So that was a nice kind of like parallel to go from something cutesy and fun to something like this is going to be a problem. And it sets up the rest <laughs> of the chaos that runs the rest of the episode. That made me laugh and I didn't see it coming. You guys have anything like that? So I didn't think the puns in this one were quite as good as the second one that we watched. There weren't as many that made me just remember them. And actually, I'm still chuckling a little bit about yeah. them. Um, the, the sequence <laughs> that I enjoyed in this is where things start to really go wrong and Beetlejuice accidentally turns himself into a baby. Right. And then he's no longer the babysitter and they just go run amok a mile around the mall. Uh, and that I found hilarious because all of a sudden he's even uh, more childish than he was to begin with. And the entire rest of the, the series or the scene for that is Lydia just trying to convince him to say that he's an adult or grown up now. Right, right. I was going to say to piggyback off of that idea, Jason, I love the fact that then you get this weird historical information saying that, uh, that a baby Beetlejuice back in like 1977 created like the, the Great Pudding Riots. The Great Pudding Wars. Great Pudding Wars uh, of, of 77. And so you get... They're like, oh, because the, the, they're interviewing at some point. There's a newscaster who's interviewing a police chief. And this is just a dumb gag to have. But they're just like, you know, does this remind you of anything in particular? You know, police chief. And he's just like, oh, it reminds me of the great pudding wars of 77 that were caused by a baby beetle or by a baby. And he's like, do you remember the name of this baby? He's like, yeah, Beetlejuice. And then just bites the microphone. <laughs> he just chomps on the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> just eats the microphone to conclude the the entire topic of conversation. So I was like, well, that was definitely a scene. What I liked about that was not that just that he bit the microphone, but then they continued that gag by the reporter continuing to speak into the microphone, but there was no audio. So he kept talking (laughs) and his lips were flapping, but there was no audio. I was like, all right, that's pretty clever. They definitely paid a lot of attention to details throughout. So I'll give them that. uh, I really thought that it was kind of interesting because they make mention about the fact that early in the episode that Beetlejuice can normally fly 
around, but he can't fly when there's a sandworm that's there. And then at the very end, his sort of hero's journey, I guess, for this whole episode is him being able to swoop down and grab Fantastic Max and bring him up after Fantastic Max falls into the, the area where the sandworms are, that sort of like arid desert that they, they inhabit. He picks it up and just kind of like pulls it back out into the, the netherworld. I struggled with this a little bit because it felt like they tried to shoehorn yes. a lesson in here because the, the whole reason that he could still fly around those sandworms was, quote, because he wasn't trying to save himself. He was trying to save somebody else. Like the whole episode is just about puns and absurdity. And then it felt like some sort of paid PSA. Yeah, I mean, he really is a selfish jerk for 100% of these episodes. And for them to shoehorn that, I mean, I agree with you. You know, it sounded like something where they were just like, whew, we've really written ourselves into a corner yeah. now with everything that's <laughs> happening here. So let's just wrap this up really quick. Oh, he saved a baby. There we go. It was also such like, a done. weird thing to begin with. Be like, why can't you fly only when there's sandworms around? Like, what a <gasps> oddly specific thing. But yeah, it comes yeah, into play. I wanted to end. know more. Yeah. I wanted to know more about why he couldn't I wanna buy do that. Scream puffs, personally. I just want to buy some scream puffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dave, if you could tell me, scream puffs... Do they, do they come in any different flavors? I honestly don't remember. I just know they're from Ghastly Farms. Oh, well, they have, uh, they have the regular screen puffs, and then didn't they have like a larger version? They it was like, like more extra with extra screen. Extra. It was like ah! extra scream, and it's... So these screen puffs look like little kind of like triangle potato chips or some like candy corns, and they have little mouths in them that are screaming. So uh, this character is presenting them in the commercial section of the cartoon. Yeah saying like you know you can buy them they're available now and there's like six on a plate and they're all screaming and he's like now available with extra scream and it's this enormous giant candy corn that's screaming at them at the same time so it's just a fun gag it's just weird they, they just have these one like weird aside per episode of a commercial that just may be related to things maybe not related to things and it just jumps to the other thing um i think this is the moment where you wanted to see how we celebrate our friend anniversary. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, I want to know, you know, because we have, uh, so what was the, the ultimate thing that we find, because that's the, the impetus for this whole episode, is the friendiversary gift. And so um, we have the friendiversary gift where Lydia gives what to Beetlejuice, guys? She gives him a uh, pair of pants. Yeah, gives him a pair of pants. And what, what would you think, knowing everything we've talked about with the puns in this episode, what would you think a pair of pants actually is? It's. Man, it's bad because it, he opens a box and it's like it, it looks like it's like two kind of mouths yep. that are panting like a dog, yep. just kind of going like, <laughs> and that's that's the whole. That's I always wanted a pair of pants. God yep. damn it! And and Beetlejuice gives to Lydia. It's a it's a spider brooch. Yeah, like a spider brooch, spider necklace. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of nice. Um, and so that's it. So I, I just want to know, guys, how would you celebrate a friend anniversary? I, th- a friend I think I would get them a like a toilet book of like a thousand puns. And if they oh. rejected it, I would say, now we are definitely friends because that was the correct decision. <laughs> and if you take it, then we are no longer friends. It's trickery. So your friend anniversary gift is more it's of a, a test. test than it is a gift. It's, a it's test. very okay. selfish. Test. I test all friends kind of on our anniversaries. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to keep the book and oh, use it again man. next time. 
Oh, okay. See how it works. Or just use it for, do you re-gift it for other I friends? I re-gift it to other friends. So and if I, if I wow. make more friends, the more friends I make, the longer I hold on to that book. Oh, that's you guys are both, as we speak, there's a book heading to you in the mouth. Uh, I've already <laughs> failed that. Yeah. Okay. I think my friend anniversary g- present to you would be one of those uh, rolls of toilet paper from Spencer's that have funny things written on them. I've got a Pittsburgh Steelers like one puns. sitting upstairs. But then you could wipe your ass with them. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that I'd like, actually. That would work for both of us, right? Damn it. You're a better friend than me. This is actually crazy, because we've had two friend anniversary gifts, and yours, Dave, was like a book that you would read on the toilet. Yeah, it's toilet-related Jason's is something that you would use on the toilet. I, I don't know. I guess maybe I would give you guys like a like a like a, a fun Beetlejuice seat toilet seat cover. That'd be fun, I guess. Yeah, for 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 Jason and I, for us, it'd be kind of fun and nostalgic. And for Dave, it'd be like you were pissing on this show. And f- yeah, I but I'm not gonna like piss on it. my toilet seat cover. I just got clean yeah, it up. Yeah, you lift it up. Well, it's got it's got Beetlejuice on the inside, so you can see him, and then you bank like shot like it into the toilet. Torture every day. It's. It causes we'll a mess. Look, yours was a test. Mine causes a mess. This is how we're working this Guys, out. Guys, we have terrible gifts. friendships. Couldn't <laughs> tell. Uh, anything else from this first episode before we jump to the, the pun-filled spectacular that is not-so-peaceful pines? Let's get into this Just crazy, that, crazy, come on, did judgmental not make you laugh? Judge. Judge. Judgmental was okay, but I read it ahead of time, so it was like, that was He's it. He's a judge who's judgmental. Oh. Let me explain that explain again. Explain it, please. <laughs> judge mental. What was his? What's he his regular name before he got? As a judge. Before he passed the bar exam, though. Before he got. Before he became a judge. Uh, Santa judge, Mister Mental. It, no, I actually know the the answer to Santa it. Santa mental. Santa <laughs> mental. Sentimental. It works on you two jerks. levels. It's terrifying, but I like it. <laughs> Santa mental. Yeah. Cool. It's judge sentimental. So, you know, it works multiple yeah, ways. I like it. All right, what's going on in, the, in this episode? This one was interesting because they throw a, a little twist in, uh, you know, a third of the way through um, to kind of mess with you. Sean, what would your synopsis be of this kind of overall episode? The idea behind this episode is that, again, words have meanings. The thing that Beetlejuice says uh, that pertains to himself about himself can have consequences, and then everybody has to suffer with those consequences. Until, again, we can use words and puns to kind of heal or fix that wound slash problem that's, that's available. So the, the whole idea behind this is that there is a noise in a racket that is in Peaceful Pines that affects the neither world, which I don't understand 100% how that works or functions, but it does because this is how stories work for the sake of this show. So Beetlejuice is able to get the mayor to hire him to take care of and remedy the problem of these loud, noisy neighbors who are throwing constant parties. And so he, he does. He does it in like five minutes. And then End the mayor... Episode. Yeah, and then the mayor welches on the fact that he said that he would pay him right. cash to do it, which then Beetlejuice makes a comment, and it splits him into two different Beetlegeists. What, what, what exactly did he say? He's so mad he could split or something like that? Oh, he's so mad he's beside himself? Yeah, he's so I think mad. Beside, that, himself. beside himself. Yeah, beside and he himself. splits in two, which is essentially like a, a good Beetlejuice and a bad Beetlejuice. So, like his worst and best sides distilled into two completely separate entities. And that was kind of cool because it was like I did not expect <laughs> to go to that place at the beginning of this episode. So, I was all right with that. And both of them annoy the shit out of Lydia. Yep. 
She made me laugh. <laughs> she's like a saint though. Like she never gets super upset. She's always trying to just like rein him in. Like she's still babysitting from that first episode. She never really gets like super mad or upset or just like throws in the towel. Maybe Jason. why I love this episode so much is the way that they start to solve it is they have to consult their own psychoanalyst and its name is <laughs> Zygmunt Void. This guy I liked. This guy I liked now, quite a bit. Now, Dave, can you explain? Because he's a character that we haven't really talked about for Zygmunt Void. Can you tell me what Zygmunt Void looks like? So we're obviously playing in the, the Sigmund Freud pun zone here. What? Welcome to the pun zone. He, oh, I just got that. Yeah, he, uh, I, he's, he's kind of an egghead, like a literal egghead, but it's got a giant crack down the middle of it. And it, what, was it held together with like a band? A band-aid. A band-aid. Yeah, it's like a band-aid. And he's Zygmunt Void. And I'm assuming he's he, shown up over multiple episodes because they seem to have a history with him and say, like, we have to take you back to such and such a place or we have to get you here. And he's evidently the only psychoanalyst that will really work with Beetlejuice. So Lydia feels very passionate that he will be the one to be able to bring him back together as a, as a full human. Maybe Old the reason Beetle. I loved this part so much is that these are they're a lot of like medical diagnosis yes. puns. But th- things oh, like schizophrenia and megaglomaniac. Can I tell you now what my favorite pun of the entire, sh- or the entire two episodes that Please. we watched? So there's at one point when they're sort of surveying the damage that terrible Beetlejuice, terrible and good Beetlejuice, terrible Beetlejuice has wrought over the town. And at this point, they say, they, they pan to uh, like a vehicle, like a bus that has like a big comical bite mark taken out of it. And they're like, oh, it seems that she is suffering from eat a bus complex. And I... I cracked up. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's obviously like Oedipal complex, like Oedipus complex. I fucking, it was so dumb that I had to laugh. No, these, these are good. These are like Psych 101. You know these terms once you take Psych 101. But like little kids aren't going to get this stuff. So this was one of the things that I thought was written for an older audience. Actually, I think all three of ours come from this same line of, of punning. My favorite one was... Uh, with Sigmund Void when he says, I haven't ridden one of these since I was young. That one was good <laughs> because you need that extra level of knowing. Was it Carl Jung? Carl Jung, the other uh, psychologist at the other time? Philosoph- yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, you needed, yeah. you needed that little extra to get that one. So that, I was like, okay, Beetlejuice, now you're on my level. So now we're, now we're good. These jokes made me feel smart. They were, yeah, they were good. psychology <laughs> they were good. That's- <laughs> To watch I know them words. Now, yeah, to watch them now, 27 years into the future, I was like, oh, I really did retain something from yeah. general studies in college. Congratulations. <laughs> the me. only thing in this episode, though, that I, I wrote down, I caps locked, bolded, and underlined this one was a, a line between Lydia and Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice does something. I forget if it's his good or bad self. Lydia says, that's not funny, Beetlejuice. He says, it better be, babes, or else this episode's in real trouble. And I was like, fuck <laughs> you, man. Like, I. I'm about done at this point. Because this is like the, 95% through the episode, and I was real upset by this. <laughs> it's very upset. The, the number of times that they break the fourth wall lot. in this show, it's, it's often. It, I thought it was really enjoyable and, and silly. And, man, it, 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 I'm sure it, it had a real hit or miss kind of back and forth if we were to watch yeah. more. But I thought for, thought for the two episodes you watched tonight, I thought they hit pretty hard. Jason. Yeah, I thought that played really well into just the goofiness and absurdity of the puns was 
was self-awareness. And I know breaking the fourth wall can sometimes be cliche and it doesn't always work, but I, I actually liked it for this. It's interesting how close this parallels to like a Deadpool cartoon. Yes, I was just thinking that. Absolutely. It's like it's that level is just, I mean, a little younger skewing, I think. But uh, it's interesting how close this skews to a Deadpool cartoon. I had one kind of issue with this episode, though. I don't know what happened to the mayor. I'm assuming he's okay, but he was stuffed into a tiny box and dropped from roughly 60 feet in the air. I don't know that he survived. <laughs> and we never get I, to see I'm him. I'm not entirely sure that creatures in the netherworld can actually die. Yeah, I don't think, I think they're fine. But wasn't, wasn't the mayor, wasn't he the regular mayor, though? Oh, it yeah, was, yeah, it was the regular, mayor. the human mayor. Straight up human mayor yeah. stuffed into a tiny box and dropped 60 feet. I don't think you survived. Poor decision not to pay the ghost. I mean, yeah, that was on him, dude. A little pinch-faced politician. I really don't blame Beetlejuice for freaking out. The best thing about all of this is that there is an opening to be a roommate with Beetlejuice at his roadhouse in the netherworld. And now that mayor can get a punny name and just move in with all of his baggage. I love it. I would like to see a crossover between Nightmare Before Christmas and Beetlejuice. I think that could be a fun world to live in. Wasn't that just kind of Nightmare Before Christmas? I mean, it is all Burton-y stuff, but... Yeah. Now, I think Beetlejuice would really get on, like, Jack Skellington's lack of skin. He'd get so on... He'd get under his bones? Under... Get into his marrow? Mm, I like it. I'll go with it. Okay. I think they would be an interesting (laughs) pairing. It's just very hard because you said you liked it and you want to go with the joke I made, but at the same time, you're just kind of, you, you're looking at me like you're unsure about it. No, I like it. I'm just, I'm not laughing about it. Ah, oh, you're like deep sighing about it. I'm one of, know. I'm unfortunately one of those people where like if something, if something really catches me funny, then I'll have like an over the top reaction. But most of the time I just acknowledge that a thing is funny. Is this why I always feel like you're disappointed? Yeah, because I'm acknowledging that you said a funny thing, but I don't have like human expression or emotion or like facial reactions. So most of the time, given I, our discussion yeah. of horror movies and crappy parents, like you probably need to fix that before you have kids. Well, so far so good. Jason, on the other hand, I'm just always disappointed with you. See, so it all works. You know, out. but that's that's earned. You know? <laughs> I'm not saying I don't deserve to, to be dis- <laughs> You know, have you be disappointed in me? You guys really know how to light up a room. Come on, Dad. I became a doctor just to impress you. Yikes. (laughs) Based on the pun that Dave just made, the room should like light up suddenly like it's on fire. I will say this. I really liked how he handled these uh, these boisterous party goers because that would have been scary as shit. He he makes a lot of puns, but he does it in a pretty intense fashion by like haunting their food, their drink, their uh, surround system. By revisiting his kind of like carnival-esque self from the final act of the live-action movie, where he kind of is is like the circus tent that kind of like unfurls and takes up the entire living space, but then he shoots, starts shooting off fireworks. That I thought was pretty cool, but also pretty intense. So that was a a nice side to see. For all the intensity and craziness in this, rest assured that he's actually not hurting or injuring anybody. It's except for the mayor. Mayor, rest Rest in in peace, peace, mayor. mayor. Mayor or Rest may in not. Mayor. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that jumped out about you for this second episode that we hmm. watched? Not necessarily for this episode, but it's been bugging me since we started this recording, and I couldn't place whether I actually knew the right thing, but I, I think you're wrong about the song that was at the end of the live-action <gasps> movie. Because you said it was Deo, and it's definitely this. 
Shake, 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 senora. Yeah. Work your body line. Jump in the line. Yeah, jump in the line. They do use Deo during the um, shrimp cocktail eating sequence, which always freak me out when the, the fist of shrimp grab them in the face and throw them off of the chair. That always scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. It's like, your food should not do that. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to include that, but... I liked it. I spent like five minutes in the middle of this episode. I was wondering what you were that. doing. Oh, jump in the line. Jump in the line. Who wrote that then? Okay, I believe you. Let oh, me Google that for you. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I got. Uh, I was Harry Belafonte. So you're half right. Yeah. All right. Close and enough. only half disappointed in right Jason. <sighs> Anything else about not so peaceful pines? Uh, I just want to mention that they had a commercial again with the CG character. Yeah, what was the commercial? <laughs> so the commercial was like can't sleep. So they at least like tied it in with the the theme of the show. Like, can't sleep? Try Lights Out. And it was essentially just like a can that you would open and a boxing glove would just punch you in the face and just knock you unconscious. I'm like, okay. I thought that was so it's dumb fine. It's just and like, it's so enjoyable. Their, their asides are also like completely zany. It's like, if you need a break from all this zaniness, here's more zany things that are disconnected from everything else. My favorite, this brings it up, my favorite visual pun from this entire episode is, <laughs> it's just the boxing glove. At one point when he's trying to get his money back, they're like, he's down there fighting with City Hall. If Beetlejuice just turns into a boxing glove and demolishes the City Hall building. <laughs> it's fun. Look, they have fun with it. It's just, uh, most of these just made me kind of roll my eyes and just sigh instead. Maybe because I'm just cold and dead inside and I can't enjoy a good pun anymore. I like to make puns, and I'm very proud of myself when sure, I make a good one, sure. which is rare. But I, I don't know. I had so, one final thought about both of these okay. episodes. Mainly towards the first episode that we watched this evening, Critter Sitters. Um, what is the going rate, hourly rate, for a babysitter these days? My God, I don't even because, know. Because... None I think of it's us like have children. Thirty to forty dollars an hour. The fuck? What? Yeah, I, I don't think it's cheap. That's not possible. Ugh. I'm about to become a full time. I was gonna say I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit the jobs and just do that. Jesus. Huh. I feel like a dog. I mowed lawns for five bucks a lawn. As yeah, a kid. tell me about it. Yeah, I shoveled sidewalks for ten or twenty dollars for not only the entire driveway but their sidewalk and their walkway up to their house, guys. This is what it's like to be old right now. I was going to say, I just shoveled <laughs> sidewalks. Yeah. Oh, shit, man. Oh, man. Thanks for ruining oh, no. it. Sorry. It was, the, yeah, it was definitely right. the moral oh, argument. Of you're like, lucky that you even had you're sidewalks. Lucky you had a shovel, you piece of shit. We <laughs> I had to used get to that have to eat hands snow. And knees. <laughs> 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 we, used to, we used to have to clear the entire sidewalk with plastic spoons. We used to have to eat the so snow right off if... the ground until you burst. <laughs> so help me if there was any gravel in there. Constantly bad. So they, they, they posit the whole idea that at the beginning of this episode that Lydia Dietz is making $2 an hour to be able to babysit Fantastic Max. And it, like in my brain, I remembered, I think probably one of my earliest jobs because I... I, I was fortunate that I grew up in a in a neighbor like a neighborhood that was a whole bunch of cul-de-sacs that were kind of all linked together, and my neighbors had uh, like a very young baby, and I remember like I think my first job ever when I was like thirteen was going over 
and watching their kids so that they could go have dinner and see a movie. And I got over there and they had already put the baby down to sleep. And so they were like, you can eat whatever you want in the fridge. You can watch whatever you want on TV. Have fun. And I, knowing me, I probably brought my VHS of Beetlejuice. Probably popped that sucker <laughs> just, in there. Just so. watch the episode where he just grabs watch. his junk and swears. Nice fucking model. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably 100%. Me. We didn't do the babysitting thing. We just went to a neighbor. And if that neighbor was gone, then we went to another neighbor. And if oh, that neighbor was gone, I we did. went to the drunk neighbor where you weren't really <laughs> super confident in leaving your kids with, but most of the time they came back okay. It, is this the start of Land Before Time 14, the horror That's story? How it starts. Oh my God. That's how it starts. A drunk dinosaur really- comes in and is watching the kids. Little foot sitting on an armchair. That's smoking how Petrie gets kicked in the face. Hey, little foot, why don't, you, uh, why don't you come sit on my lap? Oof. What? What's wrong? Oof. You too old to sit on your lap? I don't, huh? I don't like the way that this, this turned. This... Petrie, quit flapping around. Pissing me off. Who was the female Triceratops? Sarah. Was her name yeah. Sarah? Sarah. <laughs> Sarah doesn't exist. What? Her species doesn't exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that you just gave up on... On dinosaur facts, <laughs> I'm not going to oh, fight okay. you on, dinos- <laughs> on Triceratops dinosaur trivia. I know, they got the uh, bones got wrong. the bones. Oh, God, we've gone they way off correctly. track. We obviously have very distinct, passionate opinions about Beetlejuice, but guess what? Uh, the internet also has some additional thoughts and ideas about this show. So we are going to hand this over to longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away, sir. This week's Love It is from Jennifer B. Jenkins from the United States, entitled Beetlejuice, 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 and submitted on July 14th, 2006. I watched this show when I was like three, and I adored it. Now, after seeing the show again on AOL, I have fallen in love all over again. Lovable characters, superb animation. A very good CG commercial in every episode I've seen so far. This was before the time CG was widely used. Great plots, BJ's laugh, BJ's outfit, BJ's sexiness. (laughs) I need therapy. This show has everything you could want out of a cartoon. I give this show 10 out of 10. Now get out of that hole you're living in and go watch some Beetlejuice. Though I know I should be wary, still I venture someplace scary. Ghostly hauntings, I turn loose. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And our hated, entitled, was not as good as I thought it was. I hate getting older, was submitted via Amazon on June 12th, 2015 by Shed Doggy, who gave it three out of five stars. He said, I am such an idiot. I remember this being way more entertaining than it really is. I wish I didn't spend so much money on this. I really screwed up on this one. Awesome, as always. Thank you, Bobby Anthem. And thank you, and thank you, Jason Wiz, for joining us once again for the show. Jason, we're going to get to our recommendations now, so we're going to start with you. Do you recommend Beetlejuice? If not, does it get the dip, meaning that it's erased from all existence? I absolutely recommend this. In particular, if some, you're somebody with a sense of humor. Mm. Cheap shot. Then you like puns. Cheap shot. 
Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that was going for you. <laughs> oh, I felt it. Uh, no, I, you know, just a I, hard stop. I can't, <laughs> just let it sink in a little more. I can't. <laughs> I can't tell you how many episodes of this in a row that I could actually watch, but I absolutely recommend checking this out. Fair enough. That's one on the awesome. recommend column. What about you, Sean? Uh, I, I really loved the, really loved the artwork behind this show. I love that these characters from the movie are so recognizable in an animated setting. I really liked sort of the, the frantic energy and the, the fluid motion that a lot of these characters had. And I really enjoyed, as Jason mentioned, the, the puns followed by the emphasis and the punctuation with the visual gags that were behind this. I thought it was a lot of fun. So surprisingly... So I definitely, rec- oh, definitely recommend it. Okay, cool. It. So we got two recs. Surprisingly, I'm also going to recommend it just as long as you're a person who enjoys the things that Woodsy and Sean are talking about. <laughs> And are willing to pay a babysitter $2 an yeah, hour. Yeah, at least $2 an hour. It, look, it is fun. And it's something that I definitely enjoyed and remembered watching as a kid. And I really did enjoy it. It's just, maybe it's just today. Maybe it's just that I'm 34 years old. Uh, it just doesn't, that humor just doesn't sit with me anymore. It's just kind of frustrating and tedious for me. But hmm. if you're a fan of Beetlejuice, if you're a fan of that type of humor, it's really well done. It's smart when they get a chance to be smart. And when you're looking for it, the, there's some stuff that'll surprise you. So. Yeah, I'd say recommend it. It's it's a solidly put together show, and the production quality is is pretty pretty up there. They're not skimping on anything. They've definitely put a lot of original animation into this thing. Um, and even honestly, we didn't talk about it much, but the voice acting is really good. It's clearly not Michael Keaton uh, or Winona Ryder, but the voice acting is really good. They do a really good job with the characters. So it's a solid but show. It is Alec Baldwin. It is Alec Baldwin for all other parts, including may or may not. Uh, <laughs> No, it's a solid show throughout, so I recommend it. It's just not my personal cup of tea. That's all. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much, Jason Woods, for joining us. Is there anything out there you'd like to let our listeners know about in your uh, real-life world? So in my real-life world, I do something completely opposite and host a podcast about pediatric emergency medicine. So if somehow you're a cartoon fan, uh, purveyor of pediatric emergency medicine knowledge, you can find me at jwoodsmd on Twitter or at littlebigmed on iTunes podcasts. Fantastic. And we will have all that information up on our website, which you can check out along with where you can find Sean in the real life world. Guys, as always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that is called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform at Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets, times, all the information with dc.org. And as always, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Claw MD. You can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. If you want to find out more about this particular show right here, we would love it if you'd head on over to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also check out our website, Saturday Morning Cartoons. Follow along with us on Twitter at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep that conversation going on Facebook and listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Let us know if you love this pun-filled episode of Beetlejuice, sending us an email, saturdaymorningcartoons at gmail.com. Guess what, kids? There's more spooky tunes on the way, but to find out what they are, you're going to have to head on over to that Patreon page, because I ain't going to tell you. What? That's right. I'll tell Woodsy, because he asked nicely, but I'll do it offline. Aw. Thanks so much again, Dr. Jason Woods. For lending your expertise and your time so graciously to this silly little podcast. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for having always, me. Always, always. All right, guys. Thanks for listening out there. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. 
Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.